Sarah, do you have a Ask Polly letter for us this week? I do. And I feel like so many things happened since we recorded yesterday that this we I al- probably would have talked about. This is why I always say we should record on Wednesday nights because most of the good stuff comes out on the internet like Monday to Wednesday. Yeah. So we might have to re- re- you know, yeah, reconsider that. All right. Yeah, I'm amenable. Yes, you are. You've been very, very, very flexible, and I appreciate that. So, Sarah. Yeah. Tell everybody. Okay, and, and I'm just going to say, I read Polly's letter. I got through half of the response. She Oof. has to get paid by the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I will once again say, this is a fake letter. Hmm. You think? Yes. Because think about it. She wants to come up with these verbose fucking responses. It, it occurred to me that it is a fake letter um, only because for the problem that it presents, it's too, it's too good, right? It's too compassionate in its presentation. Mm-hmm. The person is too good. Right. And also consider the age. Mm-hmm. We're talking yep. about somebody mid fifties or late fifties. Right. Yeah. That's, no. that's too, that's outside the ass poly age range. I just, true. Yeah. I'm not buying it. So, uh, why don't uh, why don't you take the lead on this one? All right. So the headline is my kid is non-binary and I can't get over it. And uh, that's that's it. That's what it is. So the the letter writer <clears throat> um, <laughs> goes on to contextualize. They say, um, well, so it's ostensibly a woman who is a um, baby boomer in the process of retirement or pre-retirement. She sees all of her friends on Facebook, because that's who's on Facebook now. Um, (laughs) She sees all her friends on Facebook posting photos of their grandkids and of their adult children, thriving and living their best lives. And her daughter has, um, in the past two years, uh, come out as Mm non-binary. So her daughter, daughter is now 25. Um, Okay, now that too. Does that too not strike you as odd? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. But I mean, you mean the age gap there? Yeah, I. I mean, I don't know. I, this woman's making herself sound like she's a grandmother. Like, well, why are I, all her yeah. friends posting pictures of their grandchildren? I I thought the explanation for that was um, it kind of built in. I mean, I don't think it's that weird that she might be an older parent of a 25 year old because she says like you know i i live in a blue area people are educated i'm not Mm -hmm. supposed to be transphobic not supposed to mourn the loss of my daughter everyone is telling me to get over it basically Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what polly says too (laughs) um she, uh, Polly, who is Heather Haverleski, um, as as you said, writes a very lengthy response. Some of it is very woo-woo, I thought. You think? It's, it's very, like, um, let me find the part that's very woo-woo. Um, sorry. Um, your child is a tiny paper flag. On top of a giant mountain with seemingly infinite layers of soil and rock beneath it. You're staring at the flag, but the mountain is the real problem. The mountain is all you. The mountain was formed decades before the flag even existed. 
Get the fuck out of here. Okay, okay, fine. But then it goes even further, further (laughs) woo-woo. What does it mean to be alive? What are you here for? Do the words of your friends and neighbors matter more than your role on the face of this planet? What is your real self? What is it made of as the planet heats beyond recognition? What you should what should you be doing as your child faces an uncertain future on this doomed sphere? That part I kind of liked because it was kind of like, uh, hey, we got real problems, you know? <laughs> like, let's let's maybe refocus on the real issues. Keep, yeah, keep going, <laughs> keep going. What else is um, she saying? Um, and so early in the letter, the author says, um, if, if there is an author, um, well, there's an author, but the author says, um, she's tried therapy. She's tried talking to friends. Um, her family is not really helping her through this. And so Heather Haverleski's example basically says, step outside your, your experiences, try to empathize with someone else. Um, she says, if I were your good friend, I would want you to become some form of misfit out in the open with me. That's feminism, making room for something other than the twisted world we endured. Non-binary identity isn't a betrayal. <laughs> it's not a betrayal of feminism. It's perfectly in step with the spirit. It's not rejection. Most people don't examine who they are and what they need that closely. You need to try to slowly move away from this place of shock and sadness. Uh, yeah. So, but she's also throughout the letter, she's being very passive aggressive, right? Oh she, yeah. You know, she's like, I want to you know, scold you. Well, I want to say you suck yeah. and you're a transphobe, which this, this imaginary letter writer is. And that's, I think, something that the letter writer is having a very hard time. That's really, I think, at the heart of this. It's not what's going on with her daughter. It's like, wait a minute. I thought I was so much more progressive than this. Why is this bothering me? Because it shouldn't bother me. And now I feel bad that it's bothering me. So let's be clear. It's not about the daughter at all. No, it's not. it's, It's not. It's about this imaginary woman, because I happen to think it's imaginary. It's about this imaginary woman who is at odds with who she thought she was and who she really is. Yeah. And I get that. (laughs) There are all kinds of things that might inspire um, internal conflict. Um, Right. We were just talking about one yesterday. We were. Um, And I mean, since it's so relevant, do you think I should share it? Or do you think, do you think everyone will hate me forever? Um, Let's roll the dice on that one. (laughs) So, Okay. In, in the if you interest, don't want to, don't. I mean, in, in the interest of being hashtag relatable, I will I will share this this thing that I've been grappling with. Okay. So I am 37, right? And I am dealing with the fact that my metabolism is slowing down. And mm-hmm. um basically I, what I said to you is like I'm I am totally about body positivity. I have no problem philosophically with fat acceptance um but i don't like my body changing <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't like um i don't like that for me basically which makes me a hypocrite and i think that is what this author uh whether it's imagined or not i think is but, really but doesn't about. make you a hypocrite because i feel like what the body positive positivity movement for me is about it's it's about acceptance, but also about inclusion 
uh, and and incorporating in all different body sizes and making them more mainstream. You know, I'm very positive, body positive too, but when I am a certain weight, I'm not comfortable. And it has nothing to do with, oh, I don't feel attractive to men. It has to do with, I just don't feel good about myself because not because of how I look, but because it makes me feel like, wow, you really slacked off. Yeah. Well, I get that, but I guess I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm being too hard on myself. Maybe I'm not being hard enough on myself. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure people will let me know. I think that society is hard enough on us. I think you should maybe give yourself a break because I know who you are. I know your heart. I know what you believe. And, you know, as long as, as long as we don't inflict our, like if our beliefs are, well, you know what? No, you shouldn't be this or you shouldn't be that. Right. Keep it to yourself. That's fine. Keep it to yeah. yourself. Don't go around like, you know, oh, I have to let everybody know how I feel about this. This is your opinion. And that's cool. Uh, but keep it to yourself because n- nobody, it, it's not helping. Nobody I just, cares. I feel like, um, I felt like this was worth sharing. Um, although, as you said, it was a roll of the dice because I don't think I can be the only one in 2019 grappling with not feeling woke enough on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is kind of what this letter is about, too. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I think is interesting to note here is that everyone in the comments so far, um, oh, the comments have doubled in the last hour. <laughs> so, okay. So <laughs> the first 35 comments um, basically assumed that the daughter was transgender. And that's that's not what this says. It says no, she's not non-binary. Or right. sorry, they are non-binary. Um that doesn't mean that they're transgender. It it means they're non-binary. That's not the right. same thing. So I guess, yeah, transphobia would be at the heart of um, struggling to accept that. But mm-hmm. I just want to clarify that that's not actually the same thing. Right. Which kind of makes the struggle that this woman is going through um, even more confusing. Because it's mm-hmm. like you're not... Right. What are you upset about? What are you upset about? That she's wearing (laughs) flannel? Like, get over it. Sorry, not she, they. Like, what are you really upset about? They're still your daughter. They're still that person that has has grown up in your home. They're still that person. Just because they might not, like, might have adjusted how they dress or they want to be referred to as certain pronouns, who cares? Like, what does that have to do with their essence of who they are as a person. Right. I mean, nothing. So if, I mean, if this is real, which we'll, we'll give it the benefit of the doubt (laughs) because we're talking about it. Um, I have to assume that this writer is a lady who really wanted to plan a wedding again, you know? Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Really wanted the whole deal. But not just that wanted to join her friends on Facebook with the photos of the grandkids. It's like, P.S., guess what? I don't want to blow your mind, but your daughter, or I don't know, I I don't mean to keep referring to them as her daughter. I don't know, what's the, how should I, what's the correct? I mean, I I think it's still daughter, but with the pronoun they. they. Your daughter can still have children if they want to adopt right or if they want to have kids why yeah, if like, they even want kids <laughs> like i don't think people really understand 
Like it doesn't just, you don't just stop being able to have children if you decide you're non-binary. Right. You know, it's. Nor do you necessarily want children if you are binary. Right. Right. (laughs) Your cisgender, heteronormative still doesn't mean you want children. Right. Right. And so I agree. I think that a lot of it has to do with, but, but I won't, what will I brag about? Yeah. What will I post about on Facebook? Yeah. And I, I think this is a missed opportunity because there's, there's so much to brag about. <laughs> like, there really is. I think uh, Heather makes a really good point. Like you've, you've raised a free thinker. Like you're, the daughter is doing exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. And that is something to be proud of. Right. They're not limiting themselves. They're, they're living confident. Their truth. They, they know yeah. who they are. Do you know how rare that is? Apparently, this woman has no idea how rare it is for people to truly know who they are. I wasn't that way when I was 23. Oh, please. <laughs> 25 years old. And hot the, mess. And, exactly. <laughs> please, I defined hot mess. I defined hot mess <laughs> fucking 40. So, yeah, unfortunately, this woman isn't see the, she's not seeing the forest through the trees. Yeah. As they say. I think it's a fascinating topic, though, in general, just that um, sometimes people, I think, end up not liking their kids. <laughs> um, just, I mean, they might love their kids, but they might not like their kids. You uh, know you what know, I mean? Yes. I re- okay. I don't know if I should probably say that, but I remember, I remember something, hearing something about my father uh, after he died and after my um oldest sister had died uh-huh. and it was about the oldest sister where he basically, you know, I'm not even going to repeat it. It's basically what you said. I, you know, I love her because she's my daughter, but I don't like her. Yeah. And uh, oh, it was terrible. I think that happens a lot. And I, I mean, Heather, a lot. Heather points out that, you know, if you have parented well, that there should to some extent be a break with, with your kids, right? The, the kids should break off and do the figure thing. out who they are. And maybe your values match. Maybe they, maybe that looks the same in practice. Maybe it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But if you have, if you've done it right, right, <laughs> you might not agree. I, right. I don't know. I have frequently wondered whether my parents actually like me as a person. I think they love me because they're not dead inside. <laughs> you know? that's quite a but compliment. Like, but do they like me? I don't know. I'm not. Why wouldn't they not like you? Sure. Why wouldn't they like you? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example um, that my husband and I have talked about, and we, we've talked about it um, with both of our sets of parents. Mm-hmm. Um, the religious views are different. Mm. And so um, my parents are, um, I don't know, they're a little more freewheeling when it comes to all things than my husband's parents. Mm-hmm. His parents are pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. And so how they deal with having two sons who are not at all conservative is they just never ask Mm. that way they could pretend they don't know but they must know i i would assume they know because they're not asking if if they felt i mean if if they if they have a sense that of something that might be controversial they're just you know what we just don't want to know because it'll it'll cause a rift and we don't want that yeah i mean it's like little little things come out at dinner you know what i mean like comments about guns or politicians yeah (laughs) so so yeah i think a lot of parents don't like their kids um even if they love their kids and i i think that is something that more people ought to talk about because human relationships are way more complicated than people want to admit 
Right. I mean, there's so much. I just wrote something the other day about how you can say no to your family. You know, when your family's very toxic and you feel this sense of obligation to, you know, my sisters always used to say, you know, it really, it hurts dad when you don't come home. And I would say, do you remember when I ended up in the hospital on Christmas night, you know, vomiting and having a panic attack and being doubled over and not being able to breathe. And what did so, they say? No, I don't remember that. Exact. That's exactly what they said, even though they were all that's there. That's not how I remember it. I don't remember that. No, of course you don't. Of course you don't remember me writhing in pain and dad having to take me to the emergency room where they put me on a gurney. And there's dad, like, there's my father. Just, and he knew. He knew what it was. He knew, like, that I was just a ball of nerves. And he never really, he just... He did knew. He not, again, he didn't ask? Again, yeah. Didn't really, never really got into it. Hated when I would talk about the abuse because he was very ashamed that he didn't do more. Yeah. Or frankly, didn't do what he should have done. And so, not to make this about me, I'm sorry to make this about me, but, uh, you know, sometimes with family, they're toxic mm-hmm. and you just have to, you have to keep arm's length and for your own sanity. Yeah. I mean, and you know? even if they're not toxic, they're just should be boundaries. Not, people, not even not even that they're bad people. It's just I have nothing in common with you. Like if I had to choose who to be friends with, it wouldn't be you. Yeah. And I guess that's what I mean when I say when I talk about parents not liking their children. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think my parents would hang out with me. <laughs> right. We're <laughs> just not into the same thing. But that doesn't mean they don't like you. It just means, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with her, but she's just not my cup of tea. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably being hyperbolic when I say, when I talk about parents disliking their children, but I, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a very real phenomena. I think that children end up totally different <laughs> from their parents, regardless of how they're raised. Right. Value systems change. And, um, yeah, ultimately parents may be disappointed in how their, how their kids turn out. Mm-hmm. Even if it's over something dumb, like, oh, he won't join the NRA, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Okay. Do you uh, have any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next one? I don't. I think that's it. Okay. Well, that was, I'm, I'm glad that we talked about that because I feel like we really need to include issues and topics like non-binary and, and gender roles and, and just gender and how gender is a construct. We should start talking about that more. I mean, this is fun. It's fun to talk about dating, but we really need to talk about stuff that involves everybody and includes everybody. And I sometimes feel very bad that I feel like I'm not, I'm not being inclusive enough. So that's on the, just that's, like we were talking about. <laughs> so it's on the docket and we're working towards it. Let's get intersectional. Let's get intersectional, man. Oh, that's our tagline. Uh, so <laughs> so um, the next question, it's not even a question, but it's something that I found on Quora. And as I mentioned in a recent episode, I've been using Quora as a promotional tool uh, for the coaching services because it's a high traffic site and you can link to your website and it's, you know, it's just, uh, it's a great way to get some impressions to your site and get people on your mailing list. So one of the topics that I follow is narcissistic abuse. And they, you know, you get tagged and people want you to answer questions because they'll see other things that you have answered, other answers you've given to other questions. So they'll tag you 
and ask you for an answer. So a question I was tagged in today was, why do survivors of narcissistic abuse feel so compelled to read and sometimes write about narcissists? Are there survivors of this particular kind of abuse that just walk away, start over, and feel healed? Now, this is a this is sort of one of my my little wheelhouse. This is a, a topic for me that is that comes up a lot. And my answer essentially was that writing, I think writing's very cathartic. Yeah. I think that it's also a great way. One one really great way to help people heal is for them to see that other people experienced this and came out of it on the other side. So I feel that there's really, there's power in numbers. I, I believe that. But through, in my experience, in my experience as a writer, in my experience as someone who's abused by a narcissist, the, that person will keep tabs on you. Yeah. And if you write about them, <laughs> they will see it. They will see it. You're mm -hmm. laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Oh, they'll, they'll love it too. <laughs> they'll love it. And that's what I said. One essay, eh, okay. But if you write endlessly, compulsively, consistently about this narcissist, about yeah. this experience, they will eat it up. It's their life force. It, it, attention is their oxygen. Yeah. You know that, um, you know that saying about uh, philosophy majors about arguing? You can't, you can't argue with them because it's like wrestling a pig. You realize eventually they enjoy it. Right. You, you, you get, you get, <laughs> no, uh, it's, um, it's like, like wrestling with the pig. You get dirty and they enjoy it. There you go. Yeah. And I forgot the mud right. aspect. And that is what it's like to argue with a narcissist. Yeah. yeah. Because they are very skilled at turning it around on you and making you think like you, you are to blame. Yeah. They, it's like they're they're just they're Teflon. Everything bounces off of them. So when they see you writing essays or tweets or whatever, and you know, I think this was something that always bothered. This, this is what bothered me so much about Gareth was that it was so clear he was watching everything I was saying. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, he wouldn't have known anything if he weren't paying attention because it's not like I was contacting him. Right. And yet the way he would talk to me, I'll never forget. I, I don't think I ever told you this. He sent me an email one day saying, and it was a forward of an email saying, hey, you're, it was somebody writing to them, to his wife. Your stalker lady is at it again. She knows about the engagement or something, something. And so he forwarded me the email and he told me that it was his girlfriend at the time, now wife. It was her ex. It was her uncle, who's an ex cop. And what? dude, <laughs> when I tell you, and this was really the beginning of the end for me. Well, this is really when I started to see just how pathetic he was. And well, you know, you're you you can't be saying this and you can't be doing this. But he would say in the exchange, you know, if you want to write about me, it's okay. <laughs> Oh my God. But you can't yeah. write about her. And what I realized what he was doing is what all narcissists do is he was triangulating. Yeah. They cannot feel inconsequential. Never. They can that is never the only thing that will wound them. <laughs> right. Exactly. And 
So he pit her against me. And so she was paying attention to everything that I was saying. And then one day I, I want to, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I do want to underscore the, the point you slipped in about how he painted you as crazy stalker lady. That's right. That's, that's original. Right. That, like that's such a textbook thing for a narcissist to do because, and he did it because he was afraid that I was going to come out with the fact that he was a serial cheater. You know, and the thing is with narcissists, the most important thing they have is their image, is their reputation. And you have to understand that it is a facade. It is fake because narcissists at their core are deeply, wildly insecure. So this facade that they have built up, it's, it's how they exist. And they are chameleons in that when they are around people, no matter who it is, they can find a way to adapt no matter where they are, to be seen as the good guy. It's behind the scenes that they pull out the, you know, the abuse. So to sort of circle back, you know, your narcissist and with social media now where everything is public, I always tell people, keep a journal and write about it. And if you want to write about it publicly so that you can interact, please write about it anonymously so that they can't find you. And two, please write about it when you're in a place where you're no longer raw. Because you can always tell, you know, if you ever read ExoJane or the Frisky or any of these stupid websites where they went out and just, you know, exploited women and and brought women in, they were like ambulance chasers for women who are in the midst of chaos or, or yeah. drama. That's a good analogy. Right. Or abuse. And they, they would encourage them to write these soul bearing essays, but you could yeah. tell that the women writing them, they were still very much in the midst of, they were still in the midst of the abuse to some degree where, you know, that person might not have been in their life, but they, but they still had a hold on them. And by writing about it and writing about the abusers and writing about these situations, they were actually making it worse for themselves. And I'm saying I did this. I, I, so I'm both sides. I came, I'm coming at this from both sides. So write about it in a journal. And I do think writing is very, very healthy. Maybe um, form a group of friends where, you know, you all trade essays. You don't put your name on it anywhere. Or if you can just, you know, come up if it's a private group and you trust everybody where you can sort of uh, exchange essays and read them. If you do want to write about it, write about it when you're at a place where the feedback or the blowback will not re-traumatize you. Yeah. I think this question is so strange. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> who is lucky enough that they've never met a narcissist? <laughs> they have no understanding of their impact. Well, I, I don't know that this person is saying that they've never met a narcissist. I think, you know, just from being on this core for two or three days and reading the comments. And when you see people's bios, it's, you know, Jane Smith, uh, narcissistic abuse survivor since 2007. Mm -hmm. This is how, this is part of their identities. And that's the thing too. And that's what I've always said. You know, if you write about something all the time, all the time, this one thing, that is your identity. And it's not just your identity internally, it's your identity, it's your presence, it's your internet presence. Right. You know, if someone Googles you and they find eight essays where you talk about your narcissist, they're thinking, okay, 
they're not through they're not over this they're not they haven't gotten through this yet yeah no <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> but the but the question is just so i mean you you really um gave it more than it actually deserved <laughs> in terms well, of I, a this response. is a hot topic for me obviously because it's so obvious. Why do people feel compelled to read about? Well, so they can avoid it in the future, probably, right? And are there survivors of this particular abuse that just walk away, start over, and feel healed? Well, I guess we wouldn't know because they wouldn't be writing about it. I mean, right? Uh, and who, and what <laughs> this question? Well, I think this is is also sort of uh, falls in line with the why do so many women love true crime? This why question do is it? dumb. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying this question is dumb. But, um, you know, this person is obviously responding to the fact that there are so many people on there that write about their narcissists endlessly. Yeah. And so they're kind of like, mm, do any of them, do any of you all just like heal and get over it? And that's what they're saying. It's a very passive aggressive way to say, oh my God, talk about something else. Okay. <laughs> so it's not, they're not, I don't think they're really. So it's not asking. as dumb as it appears no, on the face it, of it. It's okay. totally passive aggressive, but. I knew it would get a lot of people saying, well, well, I do it. And a lot of those people who write about it would come in. And that's why I wanted to say, I don't know if you realize this or not. I'm sure you do, but they're watching everything you're saying and they will continue to watch you. This isn't something that they get sick of. They will continue. You're the creeps, man. <laughs> right? It is. It's creepy. It's incredibly creepy. They will continue to watch you Forever. Forever. I'll never forget when he said that he used to come to my site and do a search for his name. Oh, God. <laughs> how, how I didn't pick up on that. The flags with the signs were all there. But this God. is, you know, when you, when you do, like, how do you get away from a narcissist? And everyone always says, you know, block them. You can do that. You know, you just, you have to know that they are going to keep an eye on you. And so be very careful about what you talk about. And if they are, you know, if they, like, I don't think Garrett's dangerous. I think he's a douche and I just think he's a broken person, but I don't think he's dangerous. Yeah. See, and I'm breaking my own rule here because I'm talking about him, but, and more than likely he's going to listen to this, but uh, hey. if, <laughs> if, what's up? Um, if they are dangerous and you are saying negative things about them, you please understand the last thing they want is to have any sort of dents in the armor. Their image is everything. And so if there's somebody out there who can prove they are not who they say they are, they will work tirelessly to, in, to discredit you. And hope, I mean, I hope not, but they could go further because the la they cannot have anybody out there who takes away this facade. They cling to it, you know, they will never ever let go of it. You'll have to yeah. pry it from their dead cold hands. I would it's imagine it's worse too with someone who has uh, an internet presence, right? If it's if it's just some rando, mm -hmm. um, ra you know, rando narcissist, they're not going to be as. I mean, they're going to be worried about their image and their ego, obviously, but I don't think they're going to work as hard to discredit you necessarily, right? If you have an internet presence, if you have a following, but more than anything, if you have proof. <laughs> they hate that <laughs> they hate that and i had a ton of it and i still have it fuck you and i still have it and they are terrified that you will use that proof and you will take away this this image this facade that they have built 
So, you know, be really, that's why I'm, I'm very, I'm very uneasy seeing all these people with their real names and their photos yeah. writing stuff because I'm thinking, ugh, all they have to do is, you know, seriously, look for your name. They all have to do is Google you. They can and find you. And we know us. they are. And we know they are. So, you know, please, please, please be careful. So that's what I would say. Write about it in a journal. Get a few people together who have experienced the same thing and exchange essays. That's, I think, really cathartic. That's something we're going to be doing a, a, a narcissistic abuse recovery workshop. And that's something I'm going to have people do is write an essay and let's read it. You know, it's just okay. it's only like three people per group, but mm-hmm. let's read it. Let's talk about it. But keep it in the confines of, you know, something private so that it can't be used against you. Yeah. I didn't realize this was a trending topic right now. Narcissistic abuse. It's uh, it's having its time. I will say yeah. that. But it's, it's also having a moment. Did you, did you see what I posted on Instagram last week about 68 million people being affected by narcissistic abuse? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of why I thought this question was so dumb. Cause I was like, is this person not ever yeah. met a narcissist? Narcissistic <laughs> abuse. It's, be- and it's becoming more and more prevalent. It's, it's yeah. really, people are really starting to recognize it. And I will say again, you know, after spending yesterday watching videos about the brain to please understand that any kind of trauma or abuse, narcissistic abuse, especially will damage your brain. You will incur brain damage. It will affect your brain. Mm, that's bad news. You know, you're, are you being condescending? No. <laughs> it's, no. It's just, it's, people don't think about. They, well, they don't know because there, there isn't enough education out there about what actually happens to their brain when they experience ongoing long-term trauma. And yeah, narcissists, people don't think about it. Right. They don't. It's not that they don't think about it, it's that they don't know. And this will, inf- it will impact your ability to learn. It'll impact your memory. It'll, if you will be in high alert 24 seven, you know, when people used to ask how I could pick up on little things, see, I didn't know this until I started to take this class. It's because my amygdala is so enlarged now that I pick up on, on slight little shifts. It's, it's hypervigilance. I, I call it my superpower. I think all abuse or trauma survivors should call it, that's their superpower. Look at it that way because it does make you incredible. You're very attuned to the people around you and to your environment because you had to be. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm going with that. I can't imagine, um, <laughs> a more depressing topic to follow on Quora. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's got to be just all day long. Just <laughs> Well, there's also a lot of professionals in there, a lot of doctors, a lot of psychologists. And I, you know, there's so much to learn. Yeah. That's the other reason why I was in there is I just want to learn. But I'll, Jesus, speaking of narcissists, holy mother of God. They're, you know, it's like Yelp. You can always tell those people who leave reviews and they're, you know, 2000 words. You just want to go, just fucking write an essay and submit it to the, to New York magazine <laughs> because that's what you want to do. Yeah. This is your way of being a writer without really being a writer. Yeah. You know, who's reading these 2000 words? Who's reading them? I don't care about your experience at that hamburger joint. You self-important douchebag. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't know anyone was reading Quora. So this is all news to me. Oof. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's incredible. I can log in every day and I'll log in to have, you know, 20 notifications and 30, you know, people have asked me to answer questions. 
Okay. And that happens with everybody. It's not just with me. Right. But yeah. So narcissistic abuse. Yay. We. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to, to talk, talk with, with you again. again. <laughs> because a vision softly. <sighs> yeah. All right. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. <laughs> That's how we're going to end it. Sarah, this was a great article. And thank yeah. you for recommending it. And, uh, well, good topic. Good topic. Very good topic. Yeah. And I hope we can talk about this more. Guys, follow us. Women on... Oh, Jesus, I forgot to do it again. So Womenology. sorry. Womenology. <laughs> pod at uh, Oh, Jesus. Womenology Pod, Instagram and Twitter. WomenologyPod.com. We've added a ton of essays. Uh, I'm starting to write daily essays again. It feels good. So check the site because we're answering questions and giving dating advice and talking about trauma and talking about abuse recovery. So yeah, search your name if you want to search your name. If you want to see, I'm talking about you. you know, get crazy. Get crazy. Uh, rate us five stars on iTunes. Guys, you're the best. Sarah, you're the best. You're the best. Oh, there's my baby. Luca, say hi. Luca, say hi. Oh, okay. Well, she was. All right. That's it. Guys, later. Bye. <laughs>